keep on kissing babies and hugging fat girls. Sell out full of suffering, suck attach, son. It's me, Austin. Oh, son of a bitch. What? It's me, Austin. It was me all along, Austin. And you teeth look like two tight too, Billy. And you book a match with me. That's right, Killing. Look at me. I'm a total package. I will rip him apart. I'm pissed now. Where to, Stephanie? <laughs> Wrestle Roasts on ad-free shows and ATC. Welcome, everybody, to Wrestle Roast. I am your host, Dan St. Germain. Big episode today. I got Robert Karpolis. Sergeant Slaughterhouse is on, on the way. His regimen is, is coming through the barracks. But our Vic Venom, folks, our Woodward and Bernstein, uh, Nick Houseman, everybody. Nick Houseman, guys. Nick has joining us today. Bro. The roast bro. of media scrum, a thing bro. he was a part of. Bro, bro, I gotta thank you so much, bro. <laughs> Nick Venom over here, bro. I gotta tell you, you know. When was the last oh, time I... you and Russo have talked? I've never spoken with Vince Russo. That's why he's so happy. That's why Nick is such a happy guy. He Dude. doesn't like. He doesn't like me though, and I'm. I probably shouldn't say this. He makes. Uh, because I'm probably. I don't know. <laughs> I never reference this stuff because I want it to go away. It's probably gonna make it worse. But he makes these negative videos about me now. I'm like on his shit list. Like I'm one of the but people. How did you that, get on a shit list? I don't know. I don't know. But he, my wife, found these videos that he makes. He makes like these negative, like let's bully and hate people videos. It's like me and Sean Ross Sapp and like a couple other people that. They just they make these hate videos about Wait, me. There, now. There's a weirder question I have here. Why is your wife watching videos of Vince Russo? <laughs> so what happened here was Google alerts. What happened was he he said he said something shitty about me on Twitter, I think. And she was like, "Who is this?" And I was like, "Don't worry about it. It's not a big deal." What did he and do? she was Rack? like, "What did he say?" I don't remember. It was like, dude, I get I get so much stuff every day. I mentally block it out. I have a very good therapist. Yeah. Um, I forget what it was, but I was like, not a big deal. She went and found out who he was and then showed me these videos. And I was like, I did not know that. That is dumb. And I really don't care. But yeah, man, he like I, he doesn't like me. I know that. So there you go. This is just trying to get any fucking attention. But that's the, the thing only- is, I this is the first and only time I will ever address it. I said it here accidentally, and I was like, "Well, you started the thought; you got to finish it." No, yeah, that's I'm fine. You're going to start a media firestorm. Uh, <laughs> hey, oh my God, wrestling dirt sheets. Vince Russo, yeah. Teddy. Did you guys? Yeah, know? yeah I don't think it's going to be. I don't think it's way to go be. after Vince Russo at the height of his powers, Nick. Yeah, I don't. I mean, I don't. He says a lot of dumb things that I disagree with, and are oftentimes offensive. But you know, I have, I have. No, I have no connection with the man. There you go. Well, he's in a room somewhere writing ideas for Global Force Wrestling. But today we're talking about the media scrum. We have Nick Hausman, who was a key player in the media scrum. I mean, if you want to say it like it's like the Godfather saga, which is Godfather 1 is the media scrum interview, which Nick's a part of. Godfather 2 is the fight backstage. And Godfather 3 is... Has been what's left of AEW since then. 
I think I think Godfather three was Paul Heyman's reference to it at WrestleMania because it was like that doesn't feel like part of the trilogy. How did that get in there? Yeah, it does not feel like it. But you were, you know, like this is usually what we do now that we're doing an event. We usually do like a bright side uh, of the event beforehand, which I think is going to be fun if we do it here. Um, and then we roast it. But is there a bright side for the scrum? I mean, I guess it was, you know, I'll say this for CM Punk. The last thing to get over in AEW was Mindy's Bakery. So <laughs> he put them over. Um, yeah. Besides yeah. that, I, I don't think there's really been a bright side from this. Oh, uh, oh Dan, you are sadly mistaken. There are a number of wonderful bright sides that came out of this meeting. Well, this scrum. is Robert as our as the WWE mole of this podcast, so he's always rooting for him. Vince McMahon announces he's stepping down, and nobody cares because all anybody winds up talking about is the AEW media scrum and how this company can't seem to get their That's act not together. A bright side. That is a bright side for me, Dan. Uh, it is a bright side uh, for me. Look, I think at the end of the day this shone a light more than anything else on a lot of the backstage problems and issues that were going on there that nobody was really vocalizing. It was like Cody left the beginning of last year and there were rumblings like what's going on or is there discord in AEW? Are they getting their act together? And the product was starting to look a little wonky and it was like, who the, are the inmates running the asylum? And then you see something like this and you go, yes, and the hope is that this was a wake-up call for AEW to, to try to straighten things out and fix it going forward. So I think that is definitely a a bright side. It hasn't really happened. It hasn't. They haven't fixed it at all. No, no, they it haven't. Was, it's the bright still side lingering. said it was a wake-up call. It hasn't worked, but it's like, hey, everything we kind of thought was going on here, it is front and center. Uh, the company that, is that. for sure in a worse place now than it was. Well, media scrum. I, I don't know about that. Uh, I'll interject Getting here. Getting the collision ticket sales, bro. Are we? Well, the collision's selling better than Double or Nothing did, to be fair. Um, here Here's the thing. Are we, are, so are we talking specifically well, about I mean, that scrum or sales, all like the scrum? Are this, we, are we, this scrum. There's only one scrum that exists. <laughs> okay, because yeah. I had prepared thoughts about scrums in general. But if we're just talking about that particular scrum, I got it. I get what we're doing here. Um, okay. I think that the... I, I I agree with Robert to a degree. I think it is good that a lot of this stuff was aired in a way where public opinion could start to weigh in on how things are being done backstage at AEW because I do think that there were some things that Punk said through his crassness that were rooted in some element of truth, right? Um, we have not seen both sides reconcile because one person said, you're not doing your job right, and then they all got into a big fight, right? But hopefully, uh, in the wake of that, we did see a little bit of cleaning up done. We saw Moxley and Danielson and Jericho stepping up his leadership in the back. Right. Um, we saw, we've seen them bring in Adam Hopkins, who I know is definitely trying to work with everybody to make sure something like that does not happen again. Right. We are seeing, uh, we're seeing, I think that in the wake of what happened, there was definitely something that stiffened up Tony Khan's spine in a way that said, I need to get this place operating more like a functional business than what it is going on right now. And I have seen steps in that direction. Um, so that that's what I will say is the silver lining of of that particular, of, of what punk And did. it blew it, you up, House of Wrestling. That's another- Oh, dude, I'm the only person who got over that night. It was such <laughs> a <laughs> shitty night for everyone but Nick Houseman. But Housman. you, but-, but Everybody. But Nick yeah, isn't that great? 
You should put that on a T-shirt. No one would buy it, but I should. Here's right, the history of wrestling, Nick. Yeah, well, you know, and, and look, it, it is, it is. I, I think that the scrums in general are a good thing, just because I think any time that pro wrestling and pro wrestlers and the people in the business engage the press is good. Five years ago, before AEW came along, it was a much, much different thing, and there was a lot. It was a lot harder to to get communication with with major companies. Yeah, but the scrums only work when you have talent that is savvy and trained on how to do this. I think WWE has has elevated it a lot in the way that Hunter knows how to talk to the media. The people they put in front of the media, they generally know how to talk. No, they uh, work the UFC press conference. That's what they've been doing. It's, yeah, it's, it's, whereas AEW is just like, oh, we trust our guys. They know what they're doing. And that's not always necessarily the case. What's interesting about the punk scrum is if you go back and watch it, I think Dan texted this, but I watched it as well. I had the same takeaway. His overall message wasn't bad. And there's a lot it of lessons. A lot for less the wrestlers. Petty in hindsight. Yes. It's there's the, there's the petty piece, but the whole, you have this deep roster of veterans to listen to go and talk to them. We want to make this company better and grow as a business. Those are all great lessons within the other elements that that wind up kind of coming to light there. Um, that's, that's just kind of my takeaway from it. You go back and watch it now, hindsight, it's not as awful as you think it is within the confines of the press conference. And it kind of makes what the Bucks and, and uh, Kenny did Kenny, seem even crazier. Well, and, and the thing, I'm sorry, go ahead, Dad. No, I was about to say, in this press conference too, you really do see the CM and Punk, the chick magnet, when he talks to the girl, he's like, no, I like you. You're cool. And she's like, oh, okay. <laughs> she yeah. starts to ask the question. And I'm like, he is like the bad boy of the fucking 90s Beverly Hills locker room that is AEW, for sure. Mm -hmm. okay. Yeah. So. And, you know, I, I think it's good that the, the wrestlers are, are transparent and, and open with their thoughts. I, I encourage them. I don't like when the wrestlers come in and are trying to be in their characters still. I think it's just kind of a waste of time for everybody. So, you know, at least he was genuine. I thought that was good. Yeah, and, I, and I'll say, too, it's like another thing that I've kind of softened on is that, like, well, originally I was like, well, you know, he said, you know, come into the locker room, and then they came, and then he swung on him, so he's really wrong. But I don't think they came into the locker room wanting to have, like, a peaceful conversation. You know, like, I think they came in in a threatening way. I mean – from a lot of what I hear anyway, when I've tell, talked to people like who were near the situation, it wasn't cutting. It, it's, it was like a fight was starting and he got the first punch rather than, you know, like him just doing it out of nowhere, him popping out, popping off out of nowhere. At least that's what well, I and, 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 you know, and I, yeah, yeah. I, I don't want to get too into the well weeds. No? I, I don't want to get, I don't want to get a, have a subpoena thrown at me. So I'm not going to talk about the fight, but uh, I will say, I think that in the lead up to what happened that night, you know, it's really kind of taboo to use the term bullying in pro wrestling, especially when you're talking about UFC mixed martial artists. But like we're, we're talking about a guy who in a very frustrated manner said, come talk to me in my locker room after weeks and weeks of weeks of nobody trying to engage him and trying to make him feel isolated and not a part of that roster and not just a private way behind the curtains, but in also a public way when you send somebody like Hangman Page out to make that backstage drama part of the overall narrative of the company. Right. You are isolating this guy. You are rattling his cage. You know what you're doing. And we've all seen Revenge of the Nerds. When you take a guy and you put his head in the toilet for too long, he's going to turn around. He's going to punch you in the face. And I think that that's partially what happened here. And I really wish 
honestly, this kind of group behavior of circling in on somebody and deciding locker room justice on them, I hope that shit gets weeded out in a heartbeat. I don't really hear about that in WWE anymore, but the hyena-type movements that happen on the Serengeti of all elite wrestling sometimes uh, are pretty apparent, and I think that that's a problem. I really, really do. That was a that was a prevalent issue when I was there. There were guys who got bullied. Uh, Palmer Cannon, who was one of our characters, just quit because he was just oh, constantly getting yeah, yeah. absolutely <laughs> really. And then Scott showed up. He heard I don't bullying. Know if He's like, Great. Is a victim of bullying. yeah. Sounds yeah. sounds like sounds like three dudes who have wedgie scars. Okay, <laughs> I didn't say. Don't want to hear it, but, boys. Well, yeah, no, but- I, I I think the the issue is less bullying in, in this sense, and the more in the fact that the guys who were the EVPs were being marks as opposed to being businessmen. And you hear, you hear, and when I listen to it now, the press conference, yeah, he's taking shots, but he's taking shots in a way where there's money on the table. It's, Hey man, you don't want to listen to anybody. You're going to, you're like, you're going to be done. And now it's, Hey, I'm going to prove to you. I don't need to listen to anybody. I'm going to go kick your ass. Like there's there's a path that Punk was laying where it's a work shoot and you can make money. The EVPs let this escalate and it turn into a fight, and it's why you shouldn't have active wrestlers in a leadership role in a company. I'm st- I still have no idea. I believe it was Mega that woman who's like an executive backstage that also yeah, works. She's there. Generous. She's there. General General Counsel. I have no idea if the reports are true. Why that woman would walk a bunch of angry wrestlers into another wrestler's locker room? Like at some point. You know, it's somebody had legal, to step in. Right? Just... She's legal. She's legal. legal. Yes, I, I, I know Mega. Uh, smart woman. Don't know. Maybe she thought <laughs> by her being there, it's gonna kind of calm the situation. Like, oh, no one's gonna behave stupid in front of the lawyer. Mm. All right. <laughs> well, that they haven't listened to this show. Yes, I'd have just kept him apart. You know, there. But that's the thing is, it's all hindsight twenty twenty booking kind of or hindsight twenty twenty kind of stuff. You know, woulda, coulda, shoulda. A lot of decisions could have been made differently. I continue at this point because I've had to think about this entirely too much. I continue to think up to the build. What brought us to this point? Why did Punk feel this way? Why did he feel like he needed to act out this way? It didn't all just happen in a moment. It wasn't lightning in a bottle. There were weeks and weeks and weeks of build up there of stories. I mean, multiple pay-per-views went by where it was, you know, it started with the Cabana stuff and then Hangman Page cut that promo and all of a sudden it went from being dirt sheet stuff to in-ring stuff and it just goes on and on and on and i know again bullying may not be the right word but i can't sit here and say that these guys are just being marks and not business people when it's like no they actively wanted this guy to feel unliked and unwanted and not there and that's different you know they're not just trying to I keep their the distance whole, the whole promo's got like a bunch of different camps like there's no there's I, I, you know I, i've heard that the it's just high school man i heard it's like wrestling high school over there I don't know that it's that bad. I think that's I think that's a little overblown. I do think that there is some big egos, especially up top, that are pushing each other around. Um, and unfortunately, the 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 thing that makes and by the way, this feel- is the thing I've heard from people you know who are who would be in the know. By the way, I'm not. Just- yeah. Well, I what I think is I think the issue is it's like yeah, there's some big egos at the top, but then you're not forcing, but people down the ladder have to kind of pick sides, right? Because you got to exist in that locker room too. And so, like, as much as you want to stay out of it, if you go over and you talk to Punk and you don't talk to the Bucks, do you get heat? You know, if you're going over there and you're you know doing matches with these people and not the, I mean, it's unfortunate because that kind of tension, that drama at the top, that kind of whatever, people that don't want to be a part of it get pulled into it underneath it, right? And it shouldn't be that way. 
Yeah. Um, Scott, it, what's your bright side of this? What, of the media scrum? I mean, yes. I would hope, I would hope that somehow this gets worked out. The fact that it doesn't is so funny to me. The fact that we're sitting here going, oh, collision, yeah. And, and you know, we, we still have this hope of, and then in storyline terms, what it what it might do is create this tension amongst the idea of two separate locker rooms. But then it's just turning out that the truth might be these guys can't actually be in a building with each other. It doesn't come off exciting or interesting. It comes off corny and embarrassing. It comes off like something that you don't want to turn on because it's not riveting. It's it's uh, men unwilling to be men. You don't want to watch that. I mean, it's already embarrassing enough that we got to defend watching wrestling. Now we got to defend watching <laughs> wrestlers who are acting like fucking bitches. This is crazy. Dude. It's not I, fair I, to us, man. I, I want to watch some good, fun wrestling and to have to sit there yeah, and I mean, explain an ego yeah. or explain a backstage issue is a bummer, especially because I think that collision main event is going to be so fun. <laughs> and I do not want to hear negative horse shit about it. To Scott's credit, it's like in the next couple of months, if you're if you're AEW right now, right, you have all these different things that you should people should be talking about. A hot new heel champion has been said to be the best talker since The Rock, right? You have you have uh, the biggest show you're ever going to have in Wembley. Possibly um, Nigel McGuinness is going to come out of retirement and wrestle Brian Danielson for it. That's been a rumor, right? You have Sting's possible retirement. You have Okada and fucking Daniel Bryan and Osprey versus Omega again. You have you have all this stuff that's coming up. You have the return of CM Punk, just what Scott said in Collision. And now the biggest story in AEW is what the fuck is CM Punk going to say in this interview that drops tomorrow? Mm-hmm. And, that and that is... That, mm-hmm. I bet you it's and, not and, that and, serious, right? I don't think it's that serious, but... You know, here's the thing is that would be a good thing if they were going to go with the angle they should, which is CM Punk versus the elite. But if they're not going to go that way, again, it's going to be it's just going to make the company look bad without doing anything on the business side. Right. Well, I I I I'm so happy you brought this up because it drives me nuts that this company cannot keep its focus on its product. This company cannot keep its focus on its product. The company cannot help but keep its focus on the backstage drama right now. And AEW from what I gather, set up this interview with Punk and ESPN. They wanted it to happen. They knew it was going to happen. Punk signed all kinds of legal documents. He went through all kinds of media training. He goes out and does this interview, right? Now, he goes out and he does what a pro wrestler does. He probably said a couple things that are going to get people interested, right? I I don't believe he's going to be talking about that fight whatsoever in this interview. The fight, I do not think, is going to come up. I do think that he's going to maybe say some things about the elite that could be you know, if you're sensitive about it, could be taken the wrong way, but whatever. The problem here is this could have just been an interview. But instead, because a couple people got secondhand reports about what's going to be said in this interview, and to be clear, based off what I'm hearing, I don't think anybody at AEW has actually heard or knows the full extent of what is in this interview. I believe most of what people in the company know are excerpts that have gotten back to them in, in different ways. And so we don't really know the full extent of what's in this. And it's a premature reaction that is setting the stage to take anything Punk says and potentially spin it as negative, not really knowing what's in there. And it is all focused on the back. And it is so it's like the wrestlers are obsessed with keeping the story on the back. In some degree. 
What'd you say? You think there were forces orchestrating this? I here's here's what I think happened. I think that a couple members of the I think a few people that Punk referenced in his interview may have been reached out to for comment and were told things that Punk said. Now they were just given small parts of what Punk said, not the whole thing. Right. And uh, and that is what I think that those I think that those excerpts are what is this whole situation is being based on. And they again, they could be really bad. They could be not so bad. I, I do think it is very telling that if these excerpts of secondhand information does exist and it is terrible, it probably would have leaked. Because why wouldn't you? If you're trying to go out there and hurt the guy and say, look what he said, you it seems to me that some of these people already have these secondhand quotes. Just put them out there. But if not, they're just saying, well, this is going to be bad. And then when the whole thing's out there, you can kind of cherry pick and try to spin anything you want. Is like, well, this was this was the thing we were all worried about. It's so much mind think about shit that has nothing to do with their in-ring product. And it is a waste of time and money and energy. And I don't get why it keeps going on. So, Nick, the reason why nothing has leaked about this is because the universe plots against our show. And anytime we record a good episode, the next day it winds up getting trumped by some ridiculous news story. That's all this is. This is Vince Russo, who controls the entire Internet wrestling world, is coming after us because we let you on here. So bro, thanks. bro, Nick, Nick, Nick Venom here, bro. Sorry, <laughs> dude, this could just be so much money if it's just the end of Forbidden Door. You know, Omega's talking, Punk comes out and starts shoving him. That's it. And yeah. fucking, you know, like at this point, it's like pull the goddamn trigger on it. You know? Well, I, Nick, I, I have a question. Um, do you think, right, because th- 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 there's no way these collision ratings are going to be amazing. Dynamite's rating this week, it was like a stacked card and it was in the eight, 800,000s, right? Yeah, I uh, I don't have my wrestle nomics. Didn't it break in front like nine hundred thousand viewers? Oh, here, let me pull. Mm. Let me. Nope, I got it. Quarter hours for dynamite. I can see it here. They, I, I guess uh, what I'm saying is, are, yeah. are guys kind of sitting back, going, "Okay, yeah, let Punk have a Saturday show," and then when the ratings aren't good, Punk loses his value, and we win. Scott, we are in for an interesting three months. Uh, I think it's you, gonna you, suck, right? It's you, just gonna be like you know, it's gonna be two different companies uh, saying both shows uh, is well, like it's gonna be like Dynamite sucks, no Collision sucks, and then you, both shows aren't gonna be very good. You are you are partially uh, in the realm of exactly what's gonna play out. I I do think that there is gonna be a bit of pointing back and forth. With the viewership numbers, I don't really know if it'll do like way better or way worse. I mean, Saturday nights, maybe some people say, I guess we'll find out with tail of the tape on Saturday night. But um, it's it's not just going to be viewership numbers. It's going to be creative, right? It's going to be who's getting better reviews from fans and critics. You know, you got not just punk on the show, Andrade, you got Miro, you got you got people with chips on their shoulder that are looking across the the hall at the people on Wednesday nights that are the people that have been getting everything they want. I would assure you that the people that are going to be on Wednesday nights are going to be people that have stayed super friendly with, with the elite and that whole crew. And if you're not in with that crew, you're going to be wind up and over on collision. And it's going to not just be viewership. It's going to be creative. It's going to be in-ring work. It's going to be everything. I hope, I hope they do a hard roster split. I want to see two pissed off, angry rosters going back and forth, trying to outdo each other. That's when wrestling's at its best. But if it doesn't work, 
Tony Khan said the said it out loud at a media scrum, I think, or on a media call. This collision deal is tied to their existing Warner Brothers Discovery deal. It is not part of some new Warner Brothers Discovery deal. So if it doesn't work and this whole thing doesn't go off in a way where Warner Brothers Discovery is happy and this takes a hit to their their TV deal, then, yeah, a lot of fingers towards Punk and others are going to be pointed around here right now. It is a high stakes situation. High, the highest of stakes. And I, I thought two months ago it was going to be a way different story. But right now it seems, man, it seems very, very stressful. I don't think the stakes are necessarily as high as we think it is just because the standard for Saturday night ratings is a lot lower. And as long as they're delivering better than what TNT airs currently, they're going to be fine. It's the same way that, uh, you know, Friday night SmackDown does great numbers comparatively to what other stuff is on on a Friday night or when we used to have velocity and it's like, Hey, we're doing better than whatever would have normally aired at 10 o'clock at night on a Saturday night. So there might not, they're not necessarily expecting collision ratings to equal dynamite ratings. TNT is probably going to be moderately happy with whatever this number is. Cause you're going to draw a live audience. There's not a lot of sports going on right now. So if somebody's home and they're going to put a TV on and they like wrestling, they're going to wind up watching this show. They are uh, an advantage right now. They, they, they can really juice it because you know, not a minute. But not, does that benefit? Punk? How does I, I? I understand that as a viewer rationalizing that. But how does CM Punk hop on a microphone, like and 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 explain that? You know, you don't get to go. Well, it's Saturday, and like, because Punk, he's always honest. So now we're gonna have to see the, the honest Punk explain how. Well, it's not fair because on Saturdays, like, I don't want to hear that Punk. That's fucking lame. I want to hear the guy who won, who got people to watch the show, not the guy who has to explain ratings on a Saturday. And that's why Dynamite does better. Because guess what? In the public eye, that's a loser. He loses. He can't comment on it. He's just got to sit there and grin. It's got, it's weird, man. It's a weird situation he's in no matter what. Yeah, and I guess there's kind of the outside chance that it does really well too, right? Sure, <laughs> you know, like, sure. Like, oh, hell yeah. I hope, if I hope it, so. If, if it does really well and they get something cooking on Saturday nights, that's that's obviously not great for the elite in this situation, you know? And they're going to get a big number. They're going to get a big number this first week with this interview coming well, out. They're gonna get a big number. It's what dude, and yeah, what a what a little drop in the hat for them for this. I I agree with that. You know, like that's the only good thing about it is like this interview comes out. There's gonna be more people on the product now. If like they put their eyes on their product, and he says, "Well, this the whole interview is him dumping on Adam Page and Kenny Omega, and the end of Collision is setting up MJF Punk." People are just gonna kind of be like, "Huh, what?" But um, you know, like if they address it, it would it could be huge. You know, but the. You know, I, I don't know if they'll address it or not. Maybe that's punk the method behind Punk's madness. You know, like, dude, we can finally get these guys to come to the table now if I drop this the day beforehand. And maybe this company can finally square off. No, they, I don't know, man. I, I don't I don't think there's any method to this mayhem right now. I think it is just day to day trying to get through it, hoping cooler heads prevail, hoping they stumble across something that makes everything go away. That's kind of how I feel at the moment as I as I'm watching things from the outside. Well, you're probably right, but I think it's time to roast the fuck out of it and then uh, move on ah. to other wrestling matters. Nick, you are our guest, so you get to decide when to go. What, where do you want to go in the order? Well, I'll go first. I don't have a whole lot of things written. I didn't really have a whole lot of time today. I found out last second, but I will say at the end of every AEW media scrum, I want a beer. But because Tony Khan has unprompted felt the need to read the entire lineup for the next three weeks of Ring of Honor, the bars are always closed. Uh, and in regard to the all-out media scrum, man, I believe that this is the media scrum 
that Warner Brothers discovered there could be a problem backstage at AEW. Am I right? Uh, I think you are right. Hello. Thank you. You know, you know, CM Punk took more shots than Dick Cheney at a hunting retreat, right? Oh, That's, my goodness. Stress, right? stress off to 2004 news. Oh, yeah. These are all off the cuff here, my friend. You know, people yeah. always ask me, what was it like to be in the room for that CM Punk scrum? Well, you ever watched your neighbors have a heated domestic dispute that you thought you might have to call the police over? It was kind of like that, but with muffins and spindrift. So, anyway, <laughs> I always enjoy asking Tony Khan the hard questions because I like to watch his eyebrows dance. <laughs> speaking Nick of House. Tony, speaking of Tony, I'd say he looks like a deer in headlights, but, you know, honestly, he gives me raccoon vibes. Yeah, very much raccoon. <laughs> He's more raccoon in flashlights than deer in headlights. Oh yeah, yeah, and uh, you know, this is my last. This is my last joke. It's not really a joke. It's more of a comment. But uh, to all of my press friends, nobody gives a fuck about your pineapple on pizza question. There you go. I'm out. <laughs> there we go. Hey, there we go. That was my so, sixty seconds of right. I'll, Nick I'll, wrote I'll those in five next. minutes. The AEW media scrum or. Look in my eyes, what do you see? Shitty personalities. Uh, <laughs> what will make the entire dirt sheet community forget about the worst sex scandal in wrestling history from your rival competitor? Keep saying dumb fuck while going whole hog on a cranberry muffin. <laughs> the only thing uglier than the scrum was Colt asking for suggestions at Nick Hausman's improv show. <laughs> Nick Houseman is wrestling Woodward and Bernstein. If Woodward and Bernstein had to keep Dan St. Germain from killing himself at the Ric Flair rust. Wow. Um, Deep cut. The screw the scrub made Nick one of the most sought-after wrestling journalists in the business. Well, Nick, enjoy those VIP continental breakfasts with Bill Apter. <laughs> <laughs> the biggest scrum reveal? Realizing Tony couldn't run a target either. <laughs> manager of this target i plan on starting a tournament between target walmart kmart and zack saber jr let's go uh afterwards punk knocked out nick jackson and what onlookers described as a super cuck party <laughs> <laughs> the fight was the only time you'll hear robert carpolis yell go ace <laughs> it's hard to pick a side when both camps think adam cole should be champion uh one of the reasons the scrum is huge is so huge is because you're not used to a wrestler expressing their anger eloquently like 20 years ago it was brett calling sean gay and sean not having a comeback because he was throwing up at a waffle house <laughs> now people just remember Ace steals aren't normally aggressive to humans. If you see him near your garbage, bang some pots and pans together, and he'll usually return to the woods. Also a raccoon. <laughs> Another raccoon. Yes. There we go. We're all in the same area. When he bit Omega on the ass, Kenny got excited and yelled, Guys, Abushi's here. At least no black people were harmed. They were safely tucked away at Rampage. Anyway... Tune into Collision on Saturday, where CM Punk will cut a musty promo, followed by him blowing out his knee and being gone for nine months. All right, that's it, Robert. <laughs> Damn it! Um, all right, 
In media scrum and backstage brawl involving CM Punk, Kenny Omega, and the Young Bucks, it speaks volumes that the only person who managed to get over because of it was Nick fucking Houseman. <laughs> True. The, scrum, the scrum also made Ace Steel a household name. Ace Steel. Robert? Oh, no. Well, oh, oh he's got him. Ace bit him. That's oh, right, baby. Hey, it was also the name of the porn John Laurinaitis had to film. You got to go back. Dad, we missed it. Ace Steel is biting into Robert's internet modem. Sorry. Yeah, that's pretty much yeah, We're getting Wi-Fi issues here, but I'll try. Uh, I'll try this again. The scrum also made Ace Steel a household name. Ace Steel is also the name of the porn John Laurinaitis had to film for Vince McMahon. <laughs> Uh, everyone knows that Ace Steel bit Kenny Omega. What they don't know is that when Kenny was bit, he instinctively yelled, Coda, no! <laughs> <laughs> During the scrum, CM Punk turned Colt Cabana into the most unbelievable character in wrestling, a Jew who isn't good with money. <laughs> the Young Bucks couldn't manage a target, mainly because they couldn't stock the, st the top shelves without using a ladder. Oh... <laughs> the, the Young Bucks couldn't manage a target because Target knows how to make a controversial situation profitable. Yikes. The Young Bucks couldn't manage a target because your average target manager could beat up CM Punk. Oh. <laughs> the ISO shot of Tony Khan's reaction during this scrum is available in the cuck section of Pornhub. Our cuck jokes. Why yeah, jokes? Dan's rubbing off on me. Uh, <laughs> CM Punk kept <laughs> Yeah, whacking off on you. Yeah, you know, CM Punk kept devouring <laughs> cupcakes during the press conference to build the kind of main event body we thought we'd only get with Adam Cole. Wow, <laughs> I'm hurt, I'm old, I'm fucking tired, and I work with children. Is the byline on my LinkedIn resume. <laughs> <laughs> Contrary to what CM Punk says, the EVPs don't think they're still in Reseda because if they were still in Reseda, they'd actually be able to main event shows. Oh, oh, hey. hey, Hangman Adam Page doesn't need to take advice, and it has skyrocketed him to being the 17th most important person in AEW. <laughs> CM Punk said, I'm tired of wrestling these pricks. I know the feeling, said Sonny. Oh, <laughs> in jail. In a way, this in a way, this was a vintage in a way, this was a vintage AEW angle. A storyline that involved top talent that only played out in dirt sheets and didn't draw a fucking dime. <laughs> at the end of the day, good. at the Deep end of the cut. day, CM Punk wanted to sell tickets, lift ratings, and draw money. What a fucking jerk. Be elite, guys. Be, be elite. Oh, Robert makes... The fuck Robert, with that ending, Robert. Robert fucking makes his allegiance clear. Oh, no, it's a run-in. Lawrence <laughs> is here, everybody. Holy yeah. shit. Mike, Mike, oh, no. Mike, Mike. I didn't think Mike was coming today, folks. Ro uh, Robert's excited he has something to do on Saturday now. <laughs> <laughs> Mike, what's going on, man? I know I'm a wizard. And Go! now that I'm on the podcast, the magic is gone. No. <laughs> <laughs> How bad was that, what a right? Wait, all right. Well, Scott's got to Scott's got to do his uh, media scrum sit, roast set, and then we'll get right into the the dynamite review. Yeah, it sounds great. Stay on for Nick, but if you also want to duck out, that's fine. If I could duck out, that'd be wonderful. As much as I'd love to talk about dynamite, I have been. I'm exhausted. I've had such a long yes, day. My please, brain is numb. Okay. It's yeah, all right. Please Thanks, go buddy. head out now. 
God bless. No, you. I gotta hear more jokes. I'm yeah, here for yeah, joke Scott, jokes. I'm Scott. down for. Oh I'm shit. Okay. Now. Okay. How many of them well, were you about know, the you? Sports Illustrated article comes out tomorrow. That's a big day for all of you, right? Isn't that going to be hell for you tomorrow? He responded Me? like a wrestling journalist by staring blankly and not making a human connection. <laughs> I, I, I didn't hear the first. I didn't know if I was being addressed. Uh, wait, there's a big Sports Illustrated. It's ESPN that did the punk interview. Oh, it's ESPN. Who gives a shit? What is it? An, an internet article? Yeah, I well, think it's going to be this. Who cares? I think it's going to be a written article. I think I'm not positive. I don't know. I just whatever. I was confused with the Sports Illustrated because they dropped an article today, too, or yesterday. Oh, they did. OK, OK. But not about We're... punk. It's about something else. This is off the rails fuckery right now. But yes. uh, Yes. There you go. Wow, so wow, even wow. though it's a written okay. article, well, let's just say in parentheses, chomps muffin. Mm hmm. <laughs> It'll be like a scratch and sniff. Where if you scratch it, It'll, you could you could you every could. every issue will have crumbs that you could spread across the page. Yeah, and it's like, oh, if you scratch here, you'll get uh, the smell of spindrift and resentment and and nerd fear sweat. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yes. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. I guess I gotta I gotta finish I gotta finish up with jokes, right? <laughs> All right. Well, you know, you know, this whole CM Punk media scrum. Uh, people say this was premeditated. Uh, yeah, no way Punk meditated before this. Huh? <laughs> Listen, strong. fuck you guys, right? He's gone now. <laughs> that was so ominous. Nick, if yeah. you're going to leave. <laughs> I mean, I kind of want to stick around to give him a chance to tell his jokes, but I think I might be haunted now. <laughs> I think the Baba Duke just dropped in. I just, yeah, I just texted Scott, "Are you okay?" I'm like, "Did he just get taken into the spirit realm? What was that?" Um, I am gonna leave here in a second because I'm very, I'm dead tired. As I was telling, um, Robert and Dan before I got in the air, I just talked to Gringo Loco before I jumped on with you guys, mm. and what a nice man! I'm very happy to bring. His story to everybody. Do you know he has a pacemaker? I did not. I don't. I don't yeah. know who Gringo Logo is, but Robert does. Um. Yeah, we had we had him in MLW. He was uh, he was great. Do you know he had a pacemaker? No. He Nobody signed does. the document saying he's fine. We're good. Oh, he's got a pacemaker. Uh, he he lied to you. Like the lawyer. If you if you if you hire if you get a a Robert doll and you pull the string, one of the three things it says is. We had him at MLW. He was great. <laughs> no, that's not true because we're going to talk about Sammy Guevara later. And <laughs> all right, so Nick, uh, check out your uh, check out your your interview with Gringo Logo. House of Wrestling, everybody. He's got podcasts. He's got articles. Make it, it the next big thing. Yes, thank you all so much. And it's H A U S of Wrestling, House of Wrestling. Thank you guys so much. I I I love getting invited onto the show. I think you're all supremely talented. I love talking wrestling with you guys. Thank you so much for having me on. Of course, anytime, anytime. Hopefully, uh, you're not iced out after this interview. No, I don't think I will be. Uh, and I I by the way, I'll be doing the Money in the Bank media uh, press conference in London. So if you guys want to catch up again here at the top of the top of July or right, something, yeah, I'll, for sure. What feel free to tell you. Tell you all about what it was like to go to London and Hester Triple H. Hopefully you're doing something besides just going to see the show. There's a lot of fun well, stuff. You know, go they to have a me well, they have Media Row. I have Thursday. London, you know. Yeah. I, I went to London as a kid. I've been there. Kind of whatever. So just going to work. So. Why can you ask Triple H why isn't it being called pounds above the ground? 
<laughs> Pounds above the ground in 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 reference to the belt. Money in the bank in England. Oh, it's actually okay. Mandy Rose's OnlyFans. It was okay. Nick. It was English humor. That's why you didn't laugh at it. Dude, I'm a fucking redneck, man. I grew up in a place called the Woodlands, and guess what it was? It's a big fucking woodland. So there you go. I grew up in a trailer park in South Florida. Oh, yeah. I'm also trash. Well, I don't get your British humor. I'm sorry. I'm from Tejas. <laughs> yeah, you guys, stop stop having a Florida off. <laughs> Jesus, right? Scott, uh, Scott just uh, arrived. Scott, do you want to try the jokes once more before Nick gets out of here? All right. I'm old, I'm tired, and I'm working with fucking children. Jerry Lawler says to himself after a little girl declines his invite to front row seats at a Frankie Valley concert. Wow. <laughs> Jeez. Wow. <laughs> thank you, thank you. Uh, CM Punk had a more shocking press conference than Bud Dwyer. Oof. I get it. Difference between... Difference between CM Punk and AJ Styles is when Punk does media, he goes scorched earth. And when AJ Styles does media, he goes flat earth. <laughs> that was good. That was really good. It sounded like you were drifting away, but it was still good. That's how good that joke was. I like that. Uh, <laughs> legally, if it was the Bucks who barged in the locker room, the dog didn't have to be leashed. So Kenny being bit isn't a matter of legal. Wait, it wasn't the dog who bit Kenny. <laughs> CM Punk and A Steel, two of the only men I can confidently say would benefit from a muzzle. <laughs> um, and I'll do a finally because of the delay. Uh, people do shit on A Steel. But he's done a lot for the wrestling business. You guys know he's been around for a long time. Um, when Randy Savage crashed his Jeep into a tree, uh, Ace's teeth were used as a jaws of life to free <laughs> from his seat. So you're just saying he was never good at his job? <laughs> <laughs> Dude, Ace Steel, I mean, if you wanted to, if you did another bright side is we got to know Ace Steel. All right, Scott's gone again, like a thief in the night. Ace Steel got him. All right, thank you, Nick. Check out House of Wrestling, and uh, anything else, buddy? No, I'm just really glad I got to, to make my CM Punk I took more shots than Dick Cheney on a hunting retreat. I'm yeah, gl- and I'm really glad that you called that out as a 2004 joke because oh, I wrote it, a, it. Yeah, it is a 2005 White House Correspondence Center joke. Yeah, time traveling, Nick Houseman. <gasps> Bye, guys. It's uh, Scott Chaplin here. Yes, he is. Scott A2I back on the pod. We're going to get through this episode, folks, whether we like it or not. It's time for Dynamite or Dud, and there is a lot of both on this show, um, in my mind, but we'll get into it. MJF versus Adam Cole in a a title eliminator match, uh, which uh, was a time limit draw when it appeared that Cole had the the win. Uh, uh, CM Punk package advertising for Collision, a Sammy Guevara babyface promo, which then <laughs> spun off into a Jericho Sting face-off with appearance from Wacky Neighbor Darby Allen, uh, a Sonata. There was also a Sammy Guevara baby having promo. Yeah, <laughs> a Sonata, a Sonata promo, uh, where he issues an open challenge, and Jungle Boy, you know, uh, spoiler alert, takes him up on it. So I thought that was to be like an open open challenge. It's not. Keith Lee, and then finally Keith Lee with. 
uh, Orange Cassidy singing Darby Allen versus the Mogul Embassy, <laughs> which I'm still like, okay, so there's the firm, there's the Mogul. I, you know, it's just like a, a random, they, they almost, it's like they make factions the way in, on, in AEW, the way that like, South Park said family guy came up with ideas. You know? <laughs> it's like Tony, like pushing balls, like different names of wrestlers into different ball formations. Well, you know what I think it is, Dan? It's like, you know, like, like we're used to factions, like the, the whole thing being like, you know, like the NWO kind of thing of like, we're going to band together to take over the company. Mm-hmm. But like AEW, it's like, we're going to band together to get airtime on the company. <laughs> <laughs> Like the goal of most of these factions is to just have a segment on dynamite. Yeah, the goal to, to, to it's basically to it's basically just Preston Vance's proof of life, you know. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, it's uh, I don't know. What do you think about this first hour, Mike? Um, I thought that you know, um, I I texted you guys and I I uh, I, I you were not happy I, when you texted us. Yeah, I mean, you know, my coal is coal is coal. Um, there's a reason you get them on Christmas when you're bad. Um, <laughs> here's here's the thing. Are you, like, wait, I, I are texted, you calling him an action figure or coal? <laughs> no, you get action figures when you're good, Scott. When you're good. <laughs> no, I said that. Um, he looks like like after watching Dark Side this week. He looks like every son of a promoter that killed themselves for not being fit enough to be a wrestler. <laughs> oh my God. Adam I just, Sam, baby. I just wanted to be on the podcast to say that out loud uh, to a microphone. Um, no, uh, no, man. And it hurts MJF. MJF looks more like a shrimp when he gets hurt by that shrimp's offense. Like it just, look, the match was well wrestled. And look, like to Cole's credit, he can go. Like he could, you know. I mean, it's just none of it is exciting to me or credible, and it just hurts MJF. Um, I wanted to talk about. I mean, like, I I just want to talk about Sammy Guevara's segment. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Can, can I can I do that first too? Uh, yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, like, that was in the like, hour. Um, that was insane. I mean, uh, this I don't know what they're trying to do with this guy, but I'm like, <laughs> Sammy's a great heel. He's a great heel. And well, let's just you know, because you mentioned the Jungle Boy thing, so let's like, I feel like you could kind of group that all, you know, because these are right. These are all the four pillars. They're in the first hour. Yeah, and um, it's now the four pills of dynamite. <laughs> Or the three, the three pill, four pillars have become oh. the three pills. Oh, Jake's booking. No, you said four, yeah. not forty. <laughs> but um, no, I I think like it's interesting because yeah, you have Sting and Sam. I mean, sorry, Darby and Sammy in this segment. Obviously, Sting is in it too. I love that like Jungle Boy is like yeah, I just want to get away from all of this, <laughs> and he's kind of gonna stay like a, a face because of that, like. I mean, I do think it's kind of dumb that he lost and now he could just challenge. Like, um, but uh, dude, this Sammy segment was hilarious. It's look as someone who is also unlikable and uses their child to seem more likable. <laughs> Sammy, it's it's kind of embarrassing, man. Like it, he, I feel like him and Ty, like kind of like 
we're gonna look at Cody and Brandy as subtle by the end of all this. Like I really feel for this kid, man. And she's not even <laughs> here yet, but like she's gonna be a prop, man. Um it, it, it just it's it's just yeah, like my favorite part of this promo was when um Darby came out and he said that they're all starting to like you. When Sammy was talking about having his daughter, he was getting what chance? <laughs> Half the crowd was booing. It it's just and give it up for that creepy guy with the congrats, Sammy. So yeah, um, <laughs> that was Pam. But um, <laughs> <laughs> but I think I think that like, and then Jericho comes out and. And it was crazy because you have Jericho and Sting face off, right? And and this should feel special. They had a little bat, but bat fight, bat fight. Dude, them combined, like, like it was just, it just made. I kept thinking of of uh, Bilbo Baggins. I'm like, they they could share an 111st birthday. That's how fucking old they are. Yeah. <laughs> it was crazy. Is that like? Here's here's my thought on Jericho. Jericho, you know, we've we've said this, right? He he's the king of reinvention. And now I feel like he's the bus from speed, where if he reinvents again, he won't be able to come back. So he <laughs> just has to keep driving in this gimmick, even though it's not working. And you want him to just go away and have that one last run, but I think this is going to be it, and it's not gonna be remembered as favorably as it should and it's gonna hurt his whole legacy at this point i mean the the the, the shoes were hilarious that was that the shoes were the probably the best part of this and but you know when darby's like yeah you come in and the magic is gone like that's just true like these guys have to stop saying accurate, mean things about each other because <laughs> then we still have to I just watch thought it bombed man I just thought like they were expecting you know, like him to call Jericho a pussy or something. And then he like brought up this wizard thing, which is really, I mean, it's funny. Like, like it's funny in a wrestle crap way, but it's, ne it's never been over. So like the no. whole, it, it just felt like I was like watching like some weird fantasy movie, you know, and even, but even the idea, like, let's just talk for a sec logically, right. About Sammy and Jericho doing the whole, you should have called me thing. Like they're in the same locker room, right? Like yeah. it's not like they're away from each other. Yeah, I mean, this may be one of the worst baby face turns in history, which is crazy to say that because I, I really like Tammy. But we, yeah, you know, Dan and myself, we watched this together last night, and we were cracking up. And then Jericho comes out with the sunglasses, and I mean, we were scream laughing. It is so bad. Yeah, I mean, we were we we lost it, especially because he comes out with the aviators, and you know, he just looks like an he oh, he just looks like like the cool mom that gets angry, you know, like it just it's just it just reeks of like just trying too hard, but like also kind of entertaining because Jericho's just an all time great, so he's he's always going to be entertaining, man. Even when it's bad, there's it's going to be like bad entertaining. But then me and Scott pointed out they started like poking at each other with bats and it like had kind of like a weird erotic 50 grades of 50 shades of gray thing to it like it was like not it wasn't like either guy getting the upper hand it was like them like teasing each other with a bat and then leaving it was so bizarre 
Well, you know, they're both Joker fans. Uh, one of them, Heath Ledger's. <laughs> one of them, Jared Leto's. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and so they were like, we have to play this. You know, there was like a sexuality to our movement when we're being threatening to each other. I actually will say this. People were making fun of Jericho's um, shoes, the colorful, the colorful uh, shoes. I hope that his next gimmick is more of whatever that is, because that's a style of rocker. If he like dresses more like androgynous and stuff, it'll just Dude, be a he good should ass be time. Uh, Bill Nighy in Love Actually, you know? Like that, <laughs> yeah, man. Like that, that's his character. Yeah, man. He already has the scarf. Like, like the washed up icon, it, man. Yes, yeah. let him. Like, let's just really go for this absurd Jericho, because uh, goddamn, yeah, it he is should be funny leaning, Like he thinks when... that he should be leaning Nick Gage, but he should be leaning Adrian Adonis. Like, he, yes, he's yes. never gonna have the matches that like Kenny and MJF and all these guys on top are going to have. So just, fucking yeah, I think he needs to start like man. throwing glitter and stuff, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he needs to like, yeah. like shoot turnbuckle corners and shit. Just be like a wild eighties manager. Yeah. He should be like Rod Stewart. Like he looks like an old chick, but he's fucking all these young chicks, you know? <laughs> yeah. And he should like, you know, have to go to the hospital for certain reasons. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, man, he's, uh, it's whatever this, whatever, the whatever they're doing. And then like, you know, like I, I already said this about the embassy. It is like the South park way of, uh, pro- like Keith Lee looks so fucking old. Um, CM Punk looks significantly older than last year. I think this must, this whole like process must've taken like years off his life. But, um, Robert, you have any thoughts on this first hour? Robert? Yeah, um, I actually I enjoyed the Adam Cole MJF match for what it was. Yeah, I'm here. I'm talking. Can you hear me? Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, uh, I was saying I I like the uh, Adam Cole MJF match. I, I thought there was a lot of fun little old school spots that they busted out. The crowd was super into it, which made it a lot more enjoyable. Uh, and they found a way to not have to beat Max, and I think that was uh that was a smart decision. The Sammy thing, maybe I'm being optimistic. This is going to lead to him turning heel, and we get Sammy, Sammy, and Jericho against Darby and Sting. Maybe. What do you do with fucking what's his name then, Danny Garcia? Uh, fuck fucking Danny Garcia. What, what was his big contribution? He was watching the eight man tag and smirking. Well, that's kind of another issue that we didn't point out, maybe because it's hour two. But like, I did like the Cole match a lot. We did it at first. Me and Dan, we sat down and we were. Well, they had no heat in the beginning at all. Uh, um, yeah, man, I thought the baby blue didn't do Adam any favors and shit. And I like baby blue. Um, but it did get good. And and I'm telling you, there was moments I was frustrated in the match. Um and it was because they wanted me to be frustrated. So me and Dan turned to each other a lot, like concerned about what might happen in the match. And it was booked that way. So they actually, dude, they, I thought they knocked it out of the park in the end. But yeah, at first it was a little of annoying. And obviously like these title eliminator matches shouldn't be happening in the first place, but it ended up being a great match. A thing I did have an issue with uh, in the, in the Jericho Sammy segment was later on you have Hager fighting for the TNT championship and Jericho isn't in, in, in sight. It, why do you care about being in Sammy's favor? He lost a title, uh, you know, the chance of winning one. Now Hager has the opportunity to win one and you're not in his corner or giving a shit about him. 
it's just bad booking, even though I do think the tag match with Sting is going to be awesome. Hager's just a guy they bring out as somebody to beat for a mid-level babyface. They're mid-level pushing. You know, that's his role now. Yeah, but he's already fought him. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense at all. Um, yeah, so anyway, I, I also I thought the eight-man tag, for whatever it was, I thought it was fun. Uh, I liked uh, I liked Brian uh, Brian Cage in in the pants as opposed to the trunks. I thought he looked uh, he looked impressive, and uh, it was a fine kind of pointless eight man tag match. Like it was just it was decent TV, so it was hard to get mad. The only thing that bugged me in the first hour was I didn't love Max doing the elbow off the top through the table. It's a it's a great babyface spot, and he needs to stay a heel. Yeah, I think that that's the problem when you don't have like strong producers sometimes. Is that like because their wrestlers are always going to want to like get over that they're tough even when they're heels, and you have to have somebody to be like, "Don't fucking do that, Max." Um, Mike, uh, anything else to add to the first hour before we move to the second hour? No, I mean I thought that overall, like, look that that segment was fucking fun. Like the the Jericho thing. It was really? wrestle crap, but it was uh, like it was wrestle crap. But I guess... it was Russo level like fun, bad, and 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 to me, especially now, if they're going to be doing even more programming, like a mix of so bad that it's fun is good. I mean, you know, hopefully there's promo segments that are so good they're really good. But right, <laughs> but this was this was entertaining at least, and I mean, I don't know, I. I really love that one promo Darby did uh, with MJF, but ever since then, man, it's just it's weird. It's also weird when Sting um, doesn't talk at all, you know, because you know that he like you know what he sounds like when he does talk, and that's even goofier. You know, like I just wanted to be like, my bat's bigger than yours, Jericho. Woo, 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 woo. <laughs> <laughs> it's so goofy man but this, it's, it's fun but i i do think like even like hogan piper and wcw like that kind of shit like these guys are even older than that man so like i think i think there's fun in the idea i right is is the thought like jericho's thing for wembley i think or I think so not, yeah yeah, I, I think that that's fun for the entrances and, and the moment of it all, man. But that's that's going to be one of the matches with the two oldest participants ever, isn't it, man? It's it's uh, it's going to be a little rough. I got a feeling, but we'll see. Yeah. Um, hour two, Wardlow versus Jake Hager for the TNT title. Luchasaurus and Christian destroy uh, Arn Anderson and uh, set up Luchasaurus versus... Versus uh, Wardlow for Collision this Saturday. Uh, Tanahashi promo where he challenges MJF. MJF having interview backstage where he turns it down, but the match is made anyway. Tony Storm for Sky Blue for women's title, which I I, I really want to talk about. Uh, jung Jungle Hook, our friends segment. And the Elite versus Blackpool Combat Club uh, with, you know, everyone and their mother coming out at the end. Uh, fucking Kenny Omega, Takashita, Osprey. Osprey looked like a goddamn star, of course. Um, the, this had a little, I, you know, like a little, like they say a little something for everybody. I'm just gonna say they had a little something of everything because not everything's for everybody, but there was some good stuff here. Um, Scott, what do you think of the second hour? You were there with me watching it. 
We watched it together. That was high spot. I, I finally watched wrestling with one of the people from this podcast in, in a long time. Yeah, that was so much fun. Uh, and, you know, I think overall, after the second hour, it was a, a fun episode of Dynamite. I thought that last five minutes was wild fun. Um, obviously, I love uh, Omega and Osprey and ending on that. But who made it even better was Danielson. And uh, that laugh he has every time they, they that camera cuts to him on commentary and he's aware of it and he starts making those faces he makes. And uh, he is just so damn good. And it got me really hyped for not just for Forbidden Door, but for all of these guys working with each other going forward, however long that might last, you know, all the way to Wembley or whatever. Cause I guess now Tony Khan is, you know, out in the open saying he wants new Japan to be involved at Wembley. Uh, so it, it just gets me as a new Japan fan, very excited. And also dude, as an AEW fan, I mean, you know, you have Danielson being happy that something bad is happening to Omega. That means you're going to get that match. Uh, you have Takeshita and Omega having an issue. And you also have, you know, when the cameras were off uh, or even when the cameras are on, you see Danielson clapping for Osprey. Are they going to eventually fight each other? And where does that happen? That's just good shit, man, for pro wrestling. And, I mean, come on, Danielson was supposed to retire, and now we are about to get him versus Okada in a, uh, in a weekend some change. There's a lot of great matches yeah, coming dude. up. I can't argue with that. Um, the one thing I did want to talk about was this Sky Blue match was fascinating to me because Sky Blue is over, dude. She is big time over. There were there was more heat in the beginning of that match than there was Cole MJF. You don't believe me. Rewind it and watch it. But she is so puzzling in terms of her psychology. Tony Storm spray paints her mother in the face. And then instead of like running out and like checking on her mom and being sure that Tony, she does like a suicido and then goes back into the ring. Oh, that was so bad. Yeah, we were cracking up. And like yeah, the whole, the she whole, the care whole, less that that happened to her mother. Yeah, the whole match was just the, like just botch after botch. And she's over, man. People like Sky Blue, but this outcast's. Gimmick sucks and Sky Blue's wrestling sucks. So those two things together uh, created quite a turd burger in my mind. Scott? Well, I mean, I thought I already reviewed the second hour. But oh, you know, I did. Well, I was talking about that match, but yeah. Oh, yeah, man. No, look, that match was uh, a bit of a bummer. Um, Yeah, I wasn't crazy about it. I will say this because I didn't finish up on the second hour and just Dynamite as a whole. Um. While I do like Sonata, you know, saying I want to fight someone, and while I don't mind Jungle Boy stepping up, even though that promo was te- the worst, the worst, right? The hook and Jungle Boy thing. He's you're, so like, you're my best friend, and then they pound it. What? You're my best friend. That's when me and Dan were really talking about how, you know, Tony books things sometimes, especially with these young guys, like it's like a high school uh, situation, and so it's really tough to watch because it's not human at all like a guy you know guys don't say you're my best friend right after you don't see them on like it, they just started it's just weird it's bad Vince it's and tony good. are terrible at understanding friendship and so yes plays of friendships on both shows are usually both wildly inaccurate and just a yeah and the psyche of the booker 
Yes. And and while I like Tanahashi uh, challenging MJF and I like MJF saying no, even though I, I don't like that, then they just showed the graphic that it's happening anyway, even though MJF said no. Um, I don't like that these matches are for the titles. Uh, they should be exhibition matches. The idea should be like, this is our champions fighting each other and seeing who's great. But when you put a title on the line, it makes the idea of the companies working together like now also a threat. Because the like, so if the idea is MJF next year is going to leave the the company with the title, and that's like part of the storyline, right? Every week he kind of mentions, "Hey, I can't wait to leave with this thing." Um, well, what if Tanahashi beats him and then leave? Wouldn't Tony be afraid that Tanahashi beats him and brings the title to New Japan? So, and in the same thing, wouldn't New Japan be worried that Jungle Boy might beat Sonata and take the title? So, you have to be next. I mean, at this point, therefore- it could be the best thing for him. <laughs> And because listen, I'm telling you, Sonata Jungle Boy will be very fun to watch. Um, it will be, but when you have an exhibition, it goes, oh wow, look at these two great performers fight each other, and then Sonata wins, and okay, he's the champion, that's great. And then when you have Tanahashi versus MJF, you could have MJF just fuck around. But when it's for the title, it's supposed to be taken, you know, more seriously, and it becomes like a threat to the companies. And I just think that is ass, unless you know. M- MJF just gets disqualified in the first minute because you saw that Orton clip was uh, was went viral this week from like 10 years ago in his match for Cena where he just slaps the ref and then gets DQ'd. So like if he just walks out and does that immediately, I'm fine with that for that heat. But otherwise, yeah, yeah, I'm no, I'm, I'm, I'm not happy that they're for the titles. Yeah. Yeah, but I, I think you need a you need like the Tanahashi finish. It's more MJF character. I, I'd rather see like a two-minute match that ends in a screwy finish than an actual match between those two, just for the MJF character. Well, there's also something so funny about, you know, New Japan traveling to go to Canada. You know, AEW traveling to go to Canada. Tanahashi traveling to have this match, and then MJF just poking him in the eye in two seconds, and the bell rings, and MJF retains and leaves, you know? That's funny. That's good shit. Yeah, I mean it's but they won't do it, and they'll have a great match, and we'll like it a lot. But is it what the is it what the pay per view needs? I don't know. We have like a bunch of stacked singles matches that the idea is, oh, this would be amazing. Um, I don't know if every match needs to be that. I just think three of them do, and then you start having tags and trios. And really, stuff, only so. need the Omega Osprey and Brian Okada matches to be great. You know, everything else can be a showcase match. Well, yeah. I- I mean, I literally think you only need those two matches, you know, one more singles match, and then like a tag and a trios and call it a day. Yeah. Because well, you want those matches to go long, you know? We'll see Whatever. what happens, man. We'll see what happens. Uh, Mike, what do you think of this uh, second hour? Uh, Mike? He's on Roberts. mute. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm here, buddy. I'm sorry. Uh, I think <laughs> that. Mike uh... fell asleep. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it was it was after the third Tanahashi. Um, <laughs> no, I I, I it's like being this, hypnotized. This, I think that this year's build to Forbidden Door is obviously uh, at least less Macbeth than last year's. Uh, yeah, you know, um, and and I, I think look, even like the MJF Cole stuff that they're still doing, like you know, oh. stuff that doesn't involve that show that is, you know. Uh, I, I think it's a smart idea. And and I think like for the fans of Forbidden Door, for the fans of New Japan, I that last segment 
look, man, they're selling the hell out of this stuff. Like, my autism will never allow me to get how crossovers work in wrestling. Like, because I, I saw like Rampage Will Osprey is our is a Zon Rampage, and so it's like, how is it special if he's wrestling on a thing that isn't the pay per view? But that's my own issue, I guess. Um, you know, uh, Tony, I do yeah, think he, like, Tony Tony's autism is very different from yours. I know, and I'm having to accept that. And, and the, His is much more numbers based. Yours is much yeah. more numbers based. Yeah, I you look, look. I don't think I could run a company, and I don't think you could have a wife and child. So we're both <laughs> be able to have things the other never will. But that's okay. Um, <laughs> but no, I I think that like. My only issue with the the Sonata uh, and all that, I I think it, the open challenge thing, and then just one person accepting it, and then it happening, makes the belt look shitty. You know, like when there's battle royales and stuff, and it's everyone, you know, or tournaments, everyone's fighting to get this shot. It adds value, but for the champion of the other company to have their most prestigious title. A title which I think has been pretty protected, you know, like there's a reason they give it to the same guys a lot. There's a reason. I mean, not now, it, but yeah, usually. No, yeah, that's true. But like, but you know, there, I, I do think like even not as like a big New Japan fan, like I see that as a big deal. Like it's wrestled for at Wrestle Kingdom. It's the main event. Some of the best matches in the world have happened for that title. I could, I could accept that. So for the have the person holding it just be like, hey, does anyone want to fight me? And then <laughs> just one of the guys who lost a title match in the other company a few weeks ago being like, I, I guess I will. And that being the match is just not a good story from a story perspective. And then adding the weird hook, my, hook is my friend part. <laughs> well, you know, they got to do anything to, to give Jungle Boy a personality and it, it, it won't work, but. But overall, I mean, like, yeah, the the sky blue, like, yeah, the <laughs> the suicida and all that, like, it's hey man, wrestlers gotta wrestle, and it, you know what I think it is, like how we look and we're like a regular person wouldn't do that, but remember they're trained by QT, <laughs> you know, and so now when we watch wrestling and we think like that's not what people would do, it's like oh yeah, people aren't training them, QT is. <laughs> <laughs> and and i think that like the less humanity there is in wrestling well, the less know, like, like, like the truth is well you know to, to mike's credit if qt was in a match and some and somebody spray painted his mom in the face qt would still be more concerned about the match that's but i think like overall this is like a bigger thought you know and it's interesting like like when you watch dark sides and stuff like and you see people that came come from other parts of life, even before they're wrestlers and all of that. And now most wrestlers are like 18-year-old kids trained by other wrestlers to be wrestlers. There's a lot less like humanity in wrestling. There's a lot less like, you know, even the idea of like um, a Scott Hall who had a whole fucking life and even ended one before he started wrestling and was like, Hey, what about Scarface? What about this? Like now wrestling just imitates wrestling and you have a much smaller world to play with. And it sucks. That's true. A hundred percent of the time, but I mean, it is true with some of the people you're mentioning for sure. 
Yeah. I mean, look, it happens with comedy too. Where oh, people just Yeah, we used to be able to watch real cable guys go up there and tell jokes. <laughs> and it was good and we liked it. Rather, what do you think? They got her done. Robert, what do you think of the second hour? Uh, the guns are challenging the Hardys. Yeah. Yep. What What more do I need? To, I mean, it doesn't get better than that. Uh, I'm a fan of the, the guns, dude. If they job, if they job the Hardys, it is a nice win for the guns. It, it, I think it'll be interesting. We'll see. Uh, I mean, Max's promo shitting on New Japan was fun. Uh, the Jungle Hook thing makes no sense because Jungle Boy broke up with Hook before to be like, look, this is great, but I need to go focus on being a world champion. Yeah. Robert? Mike? I mean, the Jungle Hook thing works. And now he's like, oh, just works. kidding, we're friends again? The Jungle right, Hook right, thing Robert works back. if the team was called Team... Remember when people loved our dads in the 90s? <laughs> uh, Robert, sorry, keep going. You broke up a little bit. Oh, that's fine. I was, Remember I was... when we had dads in the 90s? All right, Robert, sorry. Keep going. That's fine. Um, yeah, and I was saying it's just weird that they like got back together after Jungle Boy broke up with Hook and was like, yeah, I don't need you anymore because I'm going to be world champ. And I was like, no, nah, just kidding. <laughs> uh, and then the main event felt like, uh, you know, we throw everything at the. It was like very old school attitude era, and that was kind of fun. Yeah. Yes, it was. Well, Don't, folks, I did. I will say, credit given to the Bucks and uh, pay uh, page for. What was it, team? What did it say? Team, we had to change the name or something? <laughs> yeah, yeah. The they had like box. a little thing. And sometimes oh, those funny. are really fucking funny. And I, I, I don't give enough credit for how funny those are. And, and I know I'm getting the one wrong that they said yesterday. But, Scott, maybe you remember it. It was really fucking funny. No, I don't. I do not remember it. Hey, also, do you guys... I've noticed people posted online that during the... Uh, the four versus four match um that that no that no showed up in, on the screen did you guys hear about this no so yeah like in like black but like faint enough that you could see through it just no popped up on the screen and they're saying it wasn't like just one you know it was across the board so they're saying aw um put it there and what does that mean Bray Wyatt's coming to AEW. Oh no! It was uh, it was Shaw texting back to the question, "Can I have more money?" <laughs> <laughs> he, he only corresponds through messages on the show now. <laughs> the next one, the next one says, "Focus on the Jaguars." <laughs> Call your mother. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And she writes back, "No." <laughs> oh well, we're not going to beat that. Let's get the high spot, low spot. I'll start. My high spot uh, was probably watching uh, wrestling with Scott. Wrestling with Scott this week. I love watching wrestling with my friends. I haven't seen me and Scott haven't watched wrestling together in forever. So that, that was a lot of fun. Um, my low spot would be, you know, it's a low spot and a high spot because. 
There's a part of me that like is really looking forward to whatever the fuck this interview is tomorrow. And uh, an even tinier part of me that is hopeful. Maybe this will then get them to go into the direction they actually need to go to. Um, but mostly I just know this is going to end up making things worse and they're not going to capitalize it on it. And I'm just going to get frustrated. So I'll save my low spot. Uh, however, this interview is handled. Scott. Yeah. I mean, I guess, you know, well, definitely my high spot was, uh, this week. I, um, I did a bit of charity and watched pro wrestling with, uh, this guy who's got issues and, um, (laughs) (laughs) that was really fun. That was a blast, and and again, it was a fun enough show, especially those final moments uh, got me excited about the coming weeks. Now, a low spot that kind of ties in with the coming weeks is we didn't get an appropriate build for Collision because they are creating this division. And so it, the buildup doesn't feel as special now maybe after this interview drops tomorrow and trust me i do think he's going to grab a mic on saturday and i think we're all going to be made aware of it by rampage uh i do think it's going to be a great show i just wish going into it i could know like oh and also these guys are going to be involved in forbidden door as of now it doesn't even look like the collision guys are going to be involved in that pay-per-view uh, maybe that changes on Saturday, but then at the same time, do we want that on the first episode of a brand new show, them promoting a pay-per-view that's going to happen in a week? Or do we want them focusing on this brand new show? So that's a low spot, just that they're like in this position that just isn't ideal. And it's a fucking bummer because uh, I do want things to be fun. And I do want CM Punk to fight at Forbidden Door. I also heard that they pitched Kenta to him and he didn't want to, so. Um, yeah, that makes, uh, I don't know. I think he, he owes that guy that, but you know, whatever. Um, he owes him, but maybe not yet. Right. No, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. High spot was his first match back, but he does own. It would be a good, I mean, dude, it would be a good message to the locker room for him. If he wants to work with the elite and get this thing, get the ship righted, he should work with Kenta to be like, look, I'm, I'm working with a guy I've had heat with. There we go. Mm-hmm. Sure. I mean, I, w- I would say the high spot is, you know, Saturday and him coming back just because looking forward to CM Punk is often better than what happens, <laughs> especially uh, in the UFC. I mean, like, you know, who knows? Like him, look, that promo where he's like, I, I have a lot to say. It was just kind of lame. I mean, look, like. I think the most amazing thing about CM Punk, like, is that we've completely forgotten about the foot injury, you know, like, that it's less about he was gone because he was actually hurt and could not have wrestled in these last nine or ten months anyway. Yeah. And, but now it's all about he was gone because of controversy, but it really wasn't the case. Like, but I'm, look, man, like, I think a Saturday show is not <clears throat> interesting. Like, I don't think I want to watch it every Saturday. You know, obviously, the DVR and, and pick the parts that you want to see. But I, I I think it's hard to be that excited, especially if that's the only show he's mainly going to be on. But, you know, I'll, I'll say uh, tentative high spot, seeing where it goes. And look, if he's in a 
great feud and cuts a great promo on someone, they cut one back on him. That's awesome too. And that I guess that ties in my other high spot of like I want to see Eddie Kingston more on TV because I like Eddie Kingston. I just hope that that also leads to more promos because he's great at them too. Um, low hey, spot. Um, hey guys, what was his shirt? What was his shirt again? I I, I missed the reference. What? Who is that woman again? I don't remember. Let me see. It was uh, Tony's wife, Lois. Tony Schiavone's wife, Lois. Oh, Lois rules. Oh. oh, okay. You're like purring. Like he should have put Cabana's mom's name. <laughs> I'm gonna say my 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 low spot is, um, and maybe it is it's secretly a high spot. This uh, this season of Dark Side isn't fully clicking with me yet, and um. And maybe it's because I have a kid <laughs> and I'm trying to look at the world more optimistically. But, you know, like, I, I just, I don't know. I haven't had an emotional uh, I thought the Mike, I actually like the Mike Graham one, but I, I do think it's, it's starting to get like, you know, like if you just, it, okay, you know what it's starting to get like? If you just, if every Batman movie, they had to use a different villain, we would eventually be like, Jesus, now we're down to Egghead. You know, like, and it's going to get like, like, you know, like next season should be like the OCD of Barry Horowitz, you know, like, yeah, you know, it is like, I think that like a lot, a lot of these episodes, you're right, Dan, like a lot of these episodes, like, well, they're only three so far. They're worthy of dark sides, but like, like lesser episodes in a bigger season, but as their own season, it kind of just, I don't know, like, but I also, I just doesn't have a connection with sunny or magnum or you know from the wrestling aspect like next week's doink and i'm I'm a little more interested in that but yeah i i think they're still like technically well made it's just yeah this is a this is just like my favorite thing a lot of times and i love it but we haven't you know it's also we just haven't had like a fun one you know like the uwf one was so fucking fun right um or uh you know the the Schultz one. Like, I will say though, uh, did you did you guys you guys watch the Mike Graham one? The story about Jerry Graham in the hospital that was hilarious. His, his mom was the best part of the episode, and also the he goes, "My name's Balls. You got any?" <laughs> you just say to random people in the bar, like that's what I want from this show. Is like, like yeah, it is dark side, but like I don't want it just to be sad true crime. No, this you should have some uh, minor crimes. The whole thing is putting minor crimes in with major crimes. That's what makes Dark Side work. Uh, Robert, high spot, low spot. Uh, Ethan Page told a story this week about how he went to Matt Hardy's house and oh, his compound, that. and Matt Hardy has Matt Hardy has an arcade, and in the arcade there are, are games that spit out uh, tickets that say Matt Hardy on it that his children can use to redeem for Matt Hardy toys. Yeah, this was fantastic. And also, Ethan Page saying the sentence, he said something like, because they're like, man, what about the action figures? He's like, let's not even talk about the action figures. <laughs> for for Ethan Page to say that sentence. And then, yeah, I mean, that's it's the thing, the right? Like, Matt, imagine like Logan competing in an arcade for Sadamantium. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, it's going to be such a weird, it's, what a weird trip to have. Or, or competing, you know, he wins an hour of watching you on YouTube. 
<laughs> yeah, it's but Robert, do you think like when you hear stories like this, right? Like, how do they capture that? How how is the real guy more interesting than the guy on TV, right? Like, don't you want to see that guy? Well, that's why Matt did all those like deletion videos at his home. That guy yeah. is far more interesting than the character we get on TV. Yeah. Um, my low spot, obviously is due to volcanic activity, QT Marshall will not be able to compete at AAA. <laughs> that, like, I felt like, I was like, was this a, was this like an Onion article? Like, it was so crazy to see that. Don't mock my sadness. Um, and Robert, Do you think this is God against you? This is, this is, uh, like, the, the, the poor Mexican people who had to suffer through four years of Trump here in the United States needed <laughs> a moment of true relief. And a volcano has deprived them of our Lord and Savior. He should come back with like a crush gimmick. That would be awesome. Go Can you imagine though? Let, let's say the volcano did happen and it was devastating and QT was part of the relief aid. <laughs> There's all these people, all these people like, I, I wanted to get electricity, but I ended up signing up for wrestling school. <laughs> um, yes. He flies in with signed eight by tens and hair plugs. Oh, it's it's sad. Um, but anyway, plugs, plugs out of the way, folks. I'm still doing stand-up around New York City. I'm actually gonna be at the comedy desk in Montreal, Canada next weekend. Uh it's gonna be a blast. So, you know, you dorks come out and you Quebecois dorks, if you're if there are any, some of you with the fucking Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn shirts, come out, say what's up, and uh, you know, take a picture, give my shitty thoughts about um uh, collision or whatever the fuck um for patreon this monday we're going to be talking about collision uh robert is still doing um something of sports about rob robert uh as you promote something of sports any big wwe news this week i don't think we covered anything wwe uh yeah everything wwe has been uh they've been doing really well <laughs> uh the uh, bloodline storyline with jay uso and paul Heyman smackdown last week was awesome Using Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn versus Gunther and Kaiser as a main event on Raw was really, really good. The Dominic Mysterio Cody stuff is a lot of fun. Uh, and Money in the Bank is going to be a great show. Uh, anything negative, Robert, or just all sunshine and lollipops? Uh, Indus Share is still a thing, so that's definitely yeah. a negative. Uh, Raquel Rodriguez versus Shayna Baszler wasn't, uh, wasn't a barn burner. And... Uh, Baron Corbin's getting a push in NXT. I also saw they're going to do like Braun Breaker and Seth. So they're really just, you know, they're really doing the workman title thing over there. Uh, any other plugs, Robert, before we move on to Mike and Scott? Uh, follow me on Twitter at WWCreative underscore ISH. Mike, Mike is on the road doing stand up, um, opening for Pete Davidson. So you guys should check him out. He also wrote on a show about uh, Pete called Bupkiss on Peacock, our favorite network on this podcast. Uh, Mike, am I leaving anything out here? No, that's it. Um, I know the next dates are in Charlotte, so we will be in Charlotte just as if our names were Andrade. Scotty, too hotty, uh, has another podcast out for smokes, which I was on, uh, that comes out today, so that's gonna be out. And they have a Patreon that I was on as well. Scott, anything else? Yeah, man, check out that uh that podcast out for smokes. Thanks for being a guest. It was so stupid and so fun. So everybody, uh, yeah, check it out today. 
Check it out. And uh, yeah, my special will be coming out most likely in the fall. So be on the lookout for that. All right, folks, until then, wash your hands and it's never goodbye.